Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. All right. Test, test, test. Pita, pita, pita. Hi, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of 150 episodes for your listening pleasure. What is a I just cracked it. I don't know the word. Gotta find a hundred thousand Deutschmarks. Because Run Lola Run is about oh, that's after terrible. a botched. That's <laughs> awful. I know what you're trying to do there. <laughs> after a botched money delivery, Lola has 20 minutes to come up with 100,000 Deutschmarks. That's it. That's what I got. That's it? I think that's fair for this that's, movie. That's what, that is the plot of this movie. I don't like your attitude there, brother. That sounds like you didn't like this film. You'll find out on this episode well, of that's Forgotten Cinema. That's where I kind of was headed right there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the facts. Run Lola Run has a runtime of 81 minutes. I love it. Lovely. I love, it. I love, I love a love short it. I love a short it's film. It's one of my favorite movies we've done on Forgotten Cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Rated R, production budget of $1.75 million. I had to do a quick... Um, conversion. Conversion, for <laughs> yeah, for that, to figure it out, because it was obviously a foreign film. It had a limited release. Of June 18th, 1999 in the States, as you will, opening weekend, it did $123,000 opening weekend. Opening weekend was 12 theaters. This movie never went higher than 172 theaters in the States, FYI. So that's why that's where you get these numbers. But domestic, it did $7.2 million and worldwide did a total of $22.9 million. So it it was a hit. It was absolutely a hit and it was well received. Production company was X Film Creative Pool. WDR and Art or Arte distributed by Prokino Film Verlet in Germany. I don't know if that's how you say it. And Sony Pictures Classic in the US. So came out on the 18th, uh, summer, summer release, June 18th. It went up against in a wide release, The General's Daughter. I believe that is with With John John Travolta. Travolta. That is a depressing movie. It's not a great one. Uh, And also a limited release of An Ideal Husband. But the Wednesday before, the 16th of June, had a wide release of the animated movie Tarzan. So that was probably the big weekend for Tarzan. The week after, which was the 25th, you had Big Daddy in a wide release, which is uh, Adam Sandler. Mm -hmm. And a limited release, Shiloh 2, Shiloh Season. And then (laughs) the week before, 6-11, June 11th, you had Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. So regardless of what you thought about this, as we always like to talk about in the episode, it's a sequel to a movie that was wildly popular. So it did very well. Is that Spy Shag Me the third one? Spy Shag Me is the second one. Oh man, uh, that would have been huge. Yeah, yeah. So that's the one with uh, Heather Graham and whatnot. I still love the teaser trailer for that. For uh, if you if you're watching one movie this summer, watch Star Wars. If you're gonna watch two movies this summer, (laughs) watch Austin Powers. 
Like, I love that that was part of the trip. Like, they realized what the big money was going to. There's definitely, all three films are, have jokes that repeat themselves, but there are there's still enough funny stuff in the movie where I don't mind the movies. I like all yeah, three. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how I feel about this Netflix show coming up. I'll watch it, but yeah, yeah. I didn't laugh at the trailer. Right yeah, now. no, the, tra- the trailer is not a great trailer. And that's not the movie's fault. Well, it's the fault of the person who cut the trailer. But right. Yeah, no not jokes. a great trailer. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about <laughs> Run Lola Run, which is written and directed by Tom Tickver, who's done Cloud Atlas, underrated, A Hologram for the King, probably no one's seen, Heaven, uh, the TV show Babylon Berlin, which is actually interesting because it is, it's a newer show. Okay. But it takes place in the 1920s in Berlin, in, in Germany, like when it's like it was like, you know, the roaring, tw- the golden 20s is what it's called. Mm. I, I was actually I was like, I'm interested in that. I don't know if I would watch it, but it was interesting. And he's also uh, done Paris uh, JT time. Or, uh, do you know what? I don't even, want, I don't even know. What that I've is. never watched Cloud Atlas. I've still never watched Cloud Atlas. I know my buddy Dave loves it. I have to have- Cloud Atlas is is definitely a. Um, I liked it. But you have to. The fact is that they have characters that play other characters. I know that, yeah. And they have, they have the Asian actress, and I don't know her name, and she ends up playing a Southern Belle in like you know the South. I don't know if it's during the Civil War, post Civil War, pre Civil War. So it's it's a little like tough to kind of you know because it's a it's a different. It's difficult to kind of you have to get your mind around that, right? But I I don't I like the movie. You know, there's and they, they they people pop in and out. Characters play different characters, and and, and the timelines are all skewed, and they're all different all over across the 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 uh, the time in terms of like where they take place and and who's playing who, and and they all connect. And it's it definitely can get confusing, but it's not terrible. And to to and I'll say this too. I don't hate Speed Racer either for talking about the Wachowski. So that's one of Dave's favorite. I don't hate that either. It's it was as like the show as it could possibly be. So would you say Cloud Atlas is a forgotten cinema film? I would say that we could do it. Yeah. I don't that I would love to do it and 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 break it down and talk about it. But it, yeah, no, I could you can do Speed Racer. We could put those on the list and see what <laughs> happens. I think they're not given enough credit because I don't want to get into a matrix discussion, but I, I, you know, they're, they're never going to be the matrix. Right. It, the matrix is, is it's a fantastic film that nothing will ever compare with it. So that's unfortunate and fortunate, I guess, for the Wachowskis because that made them who they are today. Mm-hmm. Uh, cinematography by Frank uh, Griba, who did Cloud Atlas again, perfume, a story of a murderer to name a few composed by three composers. You had Reinhold Hill, uh, Johnny Klimek and uh, Tickfer again. Uh, I don't know if they've all worked together. I think Hill and uh, Klimek might have worked together, but they have also a uh, one hour photo I have for Hill, the cave, I Frankenstein. Uh, Klimek, I have Land of the Dead, Blood and Chocolate. And then Tickfer, I've had um, The Princess and the Warrior. And then uh, he actually did The Matrix Revolutions. He did the composed some of the music for that newer, newer film. Uh, edited by, I'm going to butcher this. Uh, I want to say it's Matilde Bonaf- Bonafoy or Matilde Bonafoy. Uh, she actually won an Oscar for Citizen Four, Doc. Also, Heaven and the International. Produced by Stephen Arndt, who, did, who was nominated for Oscar for Amour. He also is the producer on the Ber- Babylon Berlin TV show that I was talking about before. And hey, Cloud Atlas. <laughs> Gebhard Heinke has uh, done Antichrist and Hysteria. And then Andrew Schreitmuller, who has done The Lives of Others, Goodbye Lenin, and Victoria from 2015. So those are just some of the producers. Not a big cast, Butler. Um, no, not at all. Franca Potente. I think I said that right. Potente, yeah. Potente. Uh, she played Lola. She's in The Born Identity, uh, as Butler knows. She's That's also primacy. in- well, I don't really want to bring that up because she doesn't last long on that. She's also <laughs> in Blow, and I didn't realize she was in The Conjuring 2, which mm-hmm. I never saw. Moritz Labtroy, who plays Manny. 
I have looked these up. So if these, I'm saying these wrong, I apologize. He's in Munich, Speed Racer. Hey, then mm-hmm. the Fifth Estate. Uh, Herbert Knope, who plays Vater or Vater, 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 father. It's a dad. Which I they, Papa. Well, they list him in the front. Well, I, we'll talk about it. I love how they do the credits. And, all mm-hmm. the, and it says Papa or Pa. They never said it, but they list him in the credits differently. His name. She might, maybe uh, the next lady says his name. Maybe. Anyways, he's, he's, he's in The Invincibles, The Little Ghost and the Puppeteers. And Nina Petri is Frau Hansen. Deadly Maria, Am I Beautiful and No Place to Go? She plays the woman that uh, her father, Vater, is uh, cheating on with. And then Armin Rode, who's Herr Schuster, in The Sound of Thunder and Contagion. I believe he was the guard. Um, mm-hmm. There's, I didn't, the credits for the other people that were kind of popped in and out, they didn't really have a lot of credits. It was like maybe like they only did four other things. And it's a foreign film. A lot, a lot of, of German actors. They did, they did a lot of German yeah. film. I, I mean, I could go through them, but like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to pretend I know any of them. So, yeah. I mean, I don't want to be like that. Okay, so when I I remember when this movie came out, and this movie was like, I mean, I loved it when it came out. I I liked it quite a bit. I won't say I loved it. I liked it quite a bit. This was when I don't I don't can't remember when like this this the music that's in the movie was like like when it really hit big like Moby and when this like this type of music was oh, huge. Moby, yeah, this type of music was huge. I don't remember if this was the beginning of it, in the middle of it, towards the end of it. I can't remember. This I can't is, tell this you. This is like ninety six. Like kind of was like when it was really really. Well, this is ninety ninety nine. This is ninety nine. So this is within it because I remember in like ninety five ninety six. You had like Moby was really hitting it big. And for GoldenEye, Moby did his own James Bond theme, which was everywhere. And that was like when it really, really, like really took off. Mm-hmm. And it maybe died like it was, it was pretty quickly. Kind of prodigy. Pro- the prodigy. Oh, prodigy. Yeah that, yeah, that was the big one. Yeah. So that, that, that's what I was thinking of. Um, but like that kind of film music was like big. Late, like mid to late 90s. Yeah. Kind of so so this kind of like fit within right in there. But you had never seen it, right? I had heard of it because it's huge. And like, obviously if you're a film student, so many people in school, you like run, load, run comes up all the time and everybody talks about it. And it's like the poster where she's like in the middle of running with her red hair. Yes. She's very symbolic of the movie. She's very symbolic. I think of indie, like late nineties, indie film. Like this is how you make it with a movie like run, load, run, but I had never actually seen it myself until now. So what'd you think? Real quick. It was terrible. hundred and like a million percent style over substance, Ooh. which is fine because I think that is exactly how you get your foot in the door in Hollywood. That is how Tom Tickver. Tickver got Cloud Atlas. That's how he got all these other films. That is how he he got his name out there, and that's fine. It's a hundred. It's a, it's an hour and twenty minutes, so it's not it's not giving you substance, and it doesn't have to. It is like here's what I can make. With this much budget, here's what it looks like. Here's how cool it is. Here's how stylized it is. He's saying, like, if you can give me something that's like bigger, I can put this style into something with substance. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it necessarily has substance. I think it has film student level substance, but a very artistic person behind the camera. I don't think it's particularly elevated beyond like what a film student would try to say was elevated. So you don't think there's any kind of? I think there's cool stuff. I like the movie. Right. I would watch it again. It's a, it's an hour and twenty minutes. It's cool, but I think that coolness is is way way overshadowing the fact that it's it doesn't offer you much. You don't think there's a, some kind of theme in there or some kind of message? You think it's just hey, let's make a cool running film. I think you could try to pick it apart and make it something right. bigger than it is. But yes, I think it's a cool running film. 
<laughs> done by a student who goes, you know, it'd be cool. What if in each three versions you see this guy and he gets knocked down, but then he meets this girl, then he does this, and then they go into there. It's like, yes, all right, the butterfly effect, cool. You've gone to one philosophy class, but it's like it's not anything elevated beyond that. Well, I mean, there is stuff in the beginning where they have the quotes from T.S. Eliot from uh, Little Gidding when it says, "We shall not cease for ex- from exploration, and the end of all exploring will be to arrive when we started and know the place for the first time." And then you have another quote from Esther Herberger, who is a, I guess, a famous soccer coach uh, in Germany, mm-hmm. you know, um, and after the game is before the game. So, I mean, they are trying to say something. I got a theme that I can talk to that's not Tickford, that's somebody else. And we'll talk about it later because it is so like, what? <laughs> and we could talk about that. Um, I don't. Uh, uh, S. Herberger, it's Sepp Herberger, excuse me. You know, that opening sentence is also his famous quote. The ball is round the game last 90 minutes. That. That's his quote as well. The guys, the coach says, do you like the credits, by the way? When the, when they all, all the, all together. the people yeah. are all together. Yeah. yeah, I think that's cool. Did you read how they did that? They had to do it one letter at a time. And then it took them like six months to edit it all. Yeah. Because they couldn't get the thousands of extras. that would right. to Bring them all. So yeah, they, they formed the, that had, was really impressive for an indie film. I thought, yeah, there had, are a couple of yeah. really impressive for the really low budget. It is there are a couple of really impressive things he gets to do. Gotcha. But that is, uh, yes, that is very impressive. Just to kind of not counter what you said, but. It's kind of like a sliding doors type movie. It's a kind of like like a Groundhog Day type film. Not really. Um, I thought it was fascinating that because I never picked up on this when I first watched it, and I kind of forgot that were they were kind of like vignettes. Like, what if this happens? One time, this it's happens. a multiple choice right. kind of film. Yeah, but I never realized that the effect of what happened in one carries over to the second or third one, where they remember things. For instance, like she remembers. In the first one, when she did the first little time when she when she doesn't get there in time and Manny goes in to rob the bank and she pulls the gun, and he tells her to you have to undo the safety. Oh, she, she does it. But in the, the second one, she just flicks the safety. I thought that was I didn't I didn't remember that. And I thought that was really kind of I liked that. It seems like she remembers some things, but not everything. Well, well, the whole thing with at the end of the movie, the, excuse me, the last uh, the third part when Manny's in the phone booth. And he's using the card for the woman, and then he hands it to her like the first and the first story he hands it to her, and she walks away, or he like kind of walks she away. Uses it, yeah, right. But the third one, when he hands it to her, she grabs him and she motions her head over, and he looks, and then he sees the bum who steals his money, who had stole his right, money, yeah, riding his bike, and kind of like she's affecting, like she knew what happened she's in the first one. A bit of a Deus Ex Machina. I'm yeah. just saying, like it just, I like, I kind of like that it. I do like it's not a full reboot, right? There's definitely like a. In each story, the, the first one, Lola gets shot. Right. And Lola goes, I'm not ready to go. The second one, Manny gets shot. And he's like, he gets I'm run not, over. He gets run over. And he's like, I'm not ready to go. And so they both kind of are within this same kind of, not a loop, but they kind of, it is kind of a loop where they kind of remember and get to have a do-over. So I think that's kind of cool. Did you notice the use of color in the film? Obviously her wig. <laughs> That's a wig, by the way. Uh, I noticed there's a lot of red and yellow. Yes, there's uh, red in her scenes. There's yellow, yellow in Manny's scenes. scenes. And yeah. they both represent danger, which I do like because they do pop up really well, especially against, you know, Germany is very kind of, I'm not saying it's not a pretty city. Uh, there's a lot of greenery in, in Germany, but it's very drab in terms of like a lot of grays, a lot of tans, a lot of greens, especially where I've presented here and in other films that, you know, probably you and I have seen, definitely have that I've seen. Well, I don't remember if they said what city this is in Germany. It's not. It's not. Oh, neither do it's I. It's not supposed to be Berlin, I don't think. It's just one of the cities. I, I don't really know Germany, I don't, man. But, but like, <laughs> I don't know. But I do know that the yellow and red really does like pop really well. And it's supposed to represent danger. Right. Which they're both in very grave danger. One of the things I had noted was that the danger that they are in is 
directly from Manny, not her. Like she oh, is for sure. Manny she, messed it all up. Yeah. She is trying to like, Manny's not good for her. Like she is trying to fix his problem and she ends up getting herself in trouble all the, the whole, well, the first two times, obviously. They're not necessarily either good people. I mean, you don't really know what Lola does other than she doesn't have a job. She's just like a freeloader. <laughs> well, it's not like her like, dad's dad's not, you know, doesn't really express any desire to show any affection. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you know how she got that way. But <laughs> Lola and Manny are both possibly, you know, no one says that Lola doesn't do stuff for, you know, the mob or whoever Manny works for either. Right. They're both necessarily like kind of maybe not bad guys, but like just kind of like stooges kind of for the underworld. Well, there's always this kind of this motif or this idea, and it's a lot of times in foreign films, and I don't know, maybe, I guess maybe more in domestic uh, United States films, is that there's always these characters that are not necessarily, you know, bad, mm-hmm. but they're forced to do business with bad people because they're poor or they don't have, you know, good, they don't have money. Right. And they always get, there's always these like, situations where they just not make one big score but they're trying to get out from under something and i i and or they're and they're involved in something that they shouldn't be and they're just good people but they're in bad situations and they've you know they've just had to make bad decisions because they couldn't find themselves out of a you know white paper bag in terms of like you know being good and 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 getting a job and you know they're you know what i mean like sure counterculture yeah. that kind of thing but that seems to always be a theme or motif in foreign films like this, like independent foreign films like this, like this, right. the idea, not, not how run Lolo run is, but the characters of Lola and Manny are characters that I have seen very much a European lot of times. Movies. Yes. Sure, a lot of times in European films. I mean, I'm thinking like train spotting, even though train spotting is more about heroin, but you know, no, yes. Ren's not necessarily a terrible guy, but he's just obviously on the outskirts of with bad people. And he obviously has a terrible addiction and all that. Yeah. Stuff. From Scotland to Ireland, England, France, you know, Germany, it's, it's very similar in terms of that. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So that's just something that, uh, I which noticed. is fine. Cause I think that makes it more, di- that makes it more interesting than a lot of, you know, you watch American films and it's always, you know, one set of group of people. Right. And this has its own set of group. I do think that if this movie doesn't have this soundtrack, it's probably not as enticing to, for a lot of people. I don't know if I'd be, if it was like a regular traditional score, but upbeat and actiony. If it wasn't like that synth music, or it wasn't that techno beat, or if it was, it didn't. Yeah, the movie kicks off where it's just like building up and building up and building up. Oh, for sure, this uh, is a movie of its time, and you need that synth soundtrack. You need that adrenaline pumping kind of club music behind it, or else it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely made to be made in 1998 for sure. The soundtrack really helps. Set the movie forward. I like that, you know, the director writer is also the composer for some of the music. And I like that Franca Patente actually does the lyrics to her own. Like, I wish I was a hunter is all her. And I think that's really cool because he, I guess he wrote it to be like, what's going through a mind at the yeah, time. Yeah. Like, groceries, that, that thing, like all these the random thoughts. Yeah. But instead it's done through that kind of pumping kind of synth score. I think that's really cool. Yeah. No, I, I think, for an independent film like that, for a small film like that, you know, that makes sense. You want to use all the tools in, in, in your toolbox. You know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it goes to show, like, like I said, with style over substance, it's a hunt, it's an hour and 20 minutes. It's almost like a extended scene of what would be a larger movie. And that's why you get it three times kind of 
Like it's almost like it could be a short. It could absolutely be a short film. You could end at the first run or the second run or the third run could be your movie. But I think you expand it and it becomes a full movie and you show people, hey, I can do this and you get work from that. But like the cuts are what? 2.7 seconds a cut. on Yeah. Average shot length is 2.7 seconds. And the movie contains 1,581 transitions. That means like edits, dissolves, fades, wipes. Yeah. So it's. It's 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 edited and shot like most action scenes this this time. Oh, it's, it's today's day. Whoa. I said it. <laughs> um, yes. Well, let me ask you this: the narration in the beginning of the film is from Hans Patch Patchies. I apologize. P a e t s c h, and he's Germany's most popular fairy tale narrator. So he, the one that reads those, that does the narration, where like man, and they're they're going through the club. Almost right. like <laughs> that scene reminded me of X Men when he's in the he puts the helmet on and he's looking for the people with the abilities and they're going through the smoke. Oh, yeah, yeah that, but anyways, <laughs> uh, so the, he's like I said, he's Germany's most popular fairy tale narrator. Could I make the case to you that this is like a modern day fairy tale? I suppose if Tom Tickford said to you, "This is my modern day fairy tale," and you know, like this is Run Lola Run is my. She's a girl brother's grim story. Yeah, it's her brother's fault or her boyfriend's fault. Over She's trying fault. to save him, and she ends up getting killed for it a couple times. Right. Very brother's grim. It's very quick. It's like, hey, here's the pace. Here's where you like, especially with the father cheating. Like, oh, you're not really my yeah. This is definitely brother's grimish. Let's sure. talk about. Uh, is it what was father? It? Is Papa. it Vater? Let's call it Papa. Vader? Let's talk about Papa. Yeah. Papa. Popper. Let's talk about Papa. He's not a nice person. So basically, he's a the, loser. When you see him in the, <laughs> when you see him in the first story, uh, he's just been told that he's gonna have a child. He's gonna have a child with a woman he's been cheating on with with his wife, and she needs to know what he wants, what he's going to do. Are you gonna stay with me or your even? Wife? Yeah. yeah, even though it's not your kid. That's in the first one. The first one she says, it's "Yes, not his kid? okay." Yeah, and then they fight, and I think it's yeah. Right? Right. The second one, it's not his kid. The second one, she says it's not. Oh, right. Thing. Okay. So the first one, they and and he, but he tells her in the first one that I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm leaving you, I'm taking you home to your mother, and I'm leaving you both. I'm going to start you guys a new think life. I'm a loser. You guys think I don't have anything, yeah. but you don't know what it's like here at work. I'm gonna start a new life, stress, start yeah. a new family, and so then in the second time, well, he, and then he tells her you're not my own kid anyway. Oh yeah, then he drops that on you. You're not even my kid. You're and a then, child of a cuckoo. Yeah. Like your father died before you were, your real father died. He, before yeah, so he's born. a complete douche. And then in the second one, he finds out that the kid's not his with the with the because he's been cheated on his, his mistress. Cheated on. But he's still kind of like uh, she she t- t- you know she holds him at gunpoint. She steals the money, but then she walks out, and the cops are there. And it's funny because the cops are like they don't realize yeah, that it's she's her. The bank robber. She's the bank robber. Get, Get out, out of the way. Girl. Get out of the way. Uh, which was I thought that was funny. And I, I when as soon as that happened, and I remembered that I was like, oh okay. <laughs> but he's still not a great guy. And in the third one, in the third one, what happens in the third one? She just leaves. She can't get to him. He's in the third one because was it her Meyer? It was a car she crashes into every time when she's running. Where right, he crashes into the right, car with the jacked right. up BMW guys. This time he ends up picking she up cra- the father. Crashes on the hood of the car. She goes, "Hey, I gotta go. Bye." And he doesn't crash his car into those BMW guys. So he picks up the father. They leave before she gets to the bank. Right, right. So she has to find an alternate means for the money. But I don't know if I like that part because the movie starts with her running through a random list of people in her head she can ask for money. Mama, Papa, 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 Papa. I, lo- I love that though. When they get to the Papa, and, and he just like, shakes like, his no. head, and no, you know right away, like, yeah. oh, this is going to work out choice. for us. Yeah, but you never get the other choices because it's always Papa, and then when it's not Papa, it's not one of the other choices from the beginning of the film. It's a whole other 
like let's go to the casino i would have preferred it if it went to the three vignettes were maybe like three separate people she could have chosen from well that's that might be a question for uh Tickver. like did you not have money so maybe right. he couldn't maybe it I, had to be what, you limited, yeah limited to who you had because the slot machine of people i was like that's what i was expecting it to be right, 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 right it changed whether i didn't know it was i did not know that run little run was like a groundhog's day thing where she repeated time but i did not but I expected her to go to the dad first, not get money, and then go to someone else as time went through. Well, after the first two vignettes, they go to that little time and space when Lola and Manny are together in bed. Now, are you are, each asking each other questions? Right, right. Are we supposed to assume that that's something that's not really happening in real time? I wasn't sure because it seems like it might be something that happened in their past. Right. Uh, but at the same time, it kind of relates to especially the answer they give at the end relates to them coming back. Right. Lola saying, I need more time. And Manny saying, you'll just give up on me. Mm -hmm. To be fair, I don't know their relationship as much as maybe I'm supposed to, because I still don't think Manny's good for her. Uh, You know, they've been together a year. That's all you really Right, right. Because she yells at that with his, um, with Papa when she says, we've been together. He's been my boyfriend for a year. How do you know who he is? Mm -hmm. Uh, She never brings him by. He's a... He's a jerk, so too. Yeah, he's, he's not a great guy. Not I'm about the father. <laughs> the father's probably never home. And the mom always just cheats on her and talks well, about... The, the mom does... Uh, I got the impression that the mom is a... a psychic? Yes. Yes. You kind of get the impression because she talks about how the other guy is a Sagittarius, but you don't really know... I'm what, but I always wonder though, because she's weird. I never saw a note, and I always wonder if she was talking to the mistress of her husband. Oh, really? But it ne- I never found a note because everything's connected. So I never found a note because at the end of the movie, did you notice the moped accident? Is the moped, the moped that, that, yeah, gets, stolen, that yeah. gets stolen is what happens in the car accident. So because the whole thing starts, how she has to start running is because she lost so, her moped. Her mo- yeah, her moped was stolen. So I thought that was interesting. But like, are we supposed to assume that the father and the the guy are dead or in serious condition? I think they're still alive because the father's kind of breathing. His eyes are kind of mm-hmm. wonking out. Even the guy on the moped's breathing clearly because his hand's on his stomach. Mm-hmm. I would imagine if he was supposed to think he's dead, that he would have been like, take your hand off your stomach. So we can't really see that you're alive. Right. But they all get messed up. I mean, even the BMW guys don't get into the car really this time. <laughs> the bad guys? Yeah, the big jack. Well, they're not bad guys. <laughs> they're just BMW guys. <laughs> BMW guys. You no, don't that... really see what they do once they get well, in the car. They're, they look like they're mean men. They're just jacked up <laughs> German guys. <laughs> did you like... You're going to say no. <laughs> but did you like... The video shots because this is shot in 35 millimeter film airflex uh 535 and video and i don't know why it's shot on video because the video shots don't match in terms of like if it's a dream sequence or not it, it, they're just video shots and i don't know why we chose that and i don't no, know i hate it i don't think i don't know why they're there do you think they're there for a reason i think they're there for style i think they're there because they look different they didn't have maybe maybe they didn't have choice. maybe they didn't have the camera anymore i don't i don't know Oh, maybe i just think it was i just thought it was a choice for like why it looks like that way just to make it look different i'm actually i'm actually okay if they came out and said like yeah we lost money towards the end so we had to shoot some stuff on video i'd be like all right i understand mm. Yeah, I just, I like to think that they chose it for style. It just didn't work, but who knows? <laughs> would you like to see a sequel? Uh, his sequel to follow the homeless guy? Yeah, the bum. Yeah. I what mean, he does with the gun. Yeah, I would have in 1990, in like maybe 2000, 2001. I mean, you're too late now. Run, I run, I bum, run, bum, run, run, shoot, bum, shoot, shoot, bum, shoot. <laughs> Is that what it been called? Yeah, I, I don't, I, I'm okay now. 
It's, like, <laughs> it's it's 22 years later, 23 years later. You don't want to see uh, another Run Lola Run? Run Lola Run 2? Still running? <laughs> I don't think you could do the same. Like, now he's done a bunch of oh, really they're older now. professional yeah. things after that. I think he could maybe write it, but I think he would, he would she should find a young up-and-coming German director well, to they, kind of film it for uh, I mean, for I hope they don't remake this film, but I can see somebody doing something like this film. This is, like you said, I know you said this is like a student film. This is like a film that somebody does that is an independent film. It's a first-time director. Oh, for first sure. Time, I, yeah. just, I said the steams are, are something out of a student film, but no, it's not a student film, but it's definitely someone who's young and, and trying to get their foot in the door. Well, let's This talk, is showing like what you can do. Let's talk about theme, because I've got a couple of theme stuff here. Okay. So this film touches on the theme of free will versus determinism, the role of chance in people's destiny. Um, what do you think about that? Do you agree with that? Do you buy that? Do you think it, there's enough of that in there for you to say like, yes? I mean, sure, there's free will, but I mean, you don't get second chances when you have free will. So she's destined to save Manny mm. because she gets to start off so many times in a row. So right. I think that kind of lessens your theme then okay but i can see where they're coming from there's also the uh little bit of the chaos theories butterfly effect when she's running into minor characters and you get snapshots of what happens to them each time oh, in each different vignette what do you think of sure. that i i did like that i thought they could have done that a little bit more when it started i was like oh she's got 20 minutes so our entire run is going to be buffered with these sequences which mm -hmm. i was kind of cool with uh, and then it turned out you only get a couple of them. You get I, I there's only like more. there's only three people they do it for. So the woman she first runs into, and in her first set of photos she loses her children because what is she she's a bad a mother or something? Bad like mother that. and then she, and steals, she steals a baby. The second set, uh, she wins the lottery, and in the third set she devotes herself to the Lord. But she's the only one that gets three. Everyone else gets two. The other two, the guy on the bike. The first set, he he, he kind of gets three because the other one happens immediately after. Yeah, but he gets he gets robbed and he falls in love. And then the second set, he gets robbed. He, he's on a bike and he ends up a heroin addict. They just however he goes. Down they beat the, the shit out of him. Yeah. And he becomes a heroin then the third one, he sells his bike to the bum. The but, bum, but it's not really bum. like it's a snapshot. Real time, yeah. yeah. And the first one that she passes is the woman that's in the bank and she gets into an accident. And she gets paralyzed and she kills herself. Real nice. Yep. The second set is she falls in love with a teller. And then she becomes a dominatrix, apparently. That's only part of their life. They have, but they show they, that's what they go to. They will know the last shot is them walking through a park happy. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's no shame. That's fine. <laughs> but then she doesn't get a third set, right? She doesn't, which pissed yeah. me off a yeah. little bit. So it's not really consistent. Yes. Yeah. I got, I got two other themes to hit you with the theme of chance versus conscious intention, which is highlighted in the casino scene by force of will. Lola <laughs> makes the roulette ball land on 20 twice. What do you think of that? Uh, I think you can't really do that at casino. <laughs> I also think that you can't bet twice and have people come up to you kicking that casino. No one goes, oh, she's counting something twice. Like, come oh, on. She wins. She, she wins big twice. She's not dressed appropriately, as she's told when she walks in. Yeah. And she wins twice in a row. So they probably just, it's probably not good for business. So they're probably like, get out of here. Yeah, they do that. I don't know if they would do that within two games, though. That's well, I don't know Germany casino law, so I don't really know. That just seems a little like, Oof. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then my last one, which that's the weird one. Yeah. All right. Keep with me. <laughs> so this is from Ingboard, Ingboard Major Osiki essay called Whatever Lola Wants, Lola Gets, or Does She? So the theme of desire is expressed throughout the film. It's a driving force for Lola's actions. Time and desire 
And Tantik for his run Lola run, she argues, this is the woman, that what Lola really wants is to get into time sync with Manny in sexual terms. The conflict in the plot is driven by the initial phone conversation following Lola being late, leading to their timing to be out of sync. After the end of the first episode, the bedside questioning by Lola reveals her dissatisfaction with the relationship, leading Manny to ask, do you want to leave me? Osiki makes the argument that each repeated return to the day is driven by Lola's continual attempt to adjust Manny's timing. The entirety of the film portrays Lola as a postmodern heroine who could leap over traditional time constraints, given the expectation that she ultimately would get what she wants. But the third arrival in the film, Osiki argues that Lola not only loses her superheroine status, but her desire to desire. She claims the ending portrays the tradition of classical Hollywood cinema's economy of desire. With Manny having reacquired the money, Lola's desire to be in sync disappears as she watches Manny's metamorphosis from a bungling and fairly ineffective lover to a man in control of the situation. Osiki makes the claim that this deflates Lola's heroine status in the final act. So was she just trying to get in sync with Manny sexually? This sounds like someone who's taken way too many film <laughs> courses and really wants to be on the side of like, like women empowerment and just conflating it into something that's really not. I mean, I, I really don't think so. I do agree that Manny getting the money does lessen Lola's Desire. getting the money in the casino but is I, I there's no way that this guy wrote the film with that in mind that is absolutely a conflated film student kind of i don't know this uh, person so i don't know if they're film student uh, i guess if they're gonna write something like that they're a student of film i i always just come on come I, on i mean i think you can make an argument for i do of, think it lo- lessens her hero status for sure but i don't think it has to do with desire uh, and to be in sync with Manny, I, I don't think in that. sync sexually, Butler. I, I get that. I, I really don't think that. Um, I think you can you can really make a case for most stories that it boils down to sex, sexual want and desire. Yeah, if you're Sigmund Freud, I'm just like, saying. You know, I'm saying. I'm not sex. agreeing with it. I'm saying sure. you can you can go there, sure. but it's easy. I do think that, like the movie starts off, it's like there's a major problem, and who steps up? It's Lola. Lola's the one that steps up because even in the beginning, Manny's, I'm going to just go and rob Manny's this place. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's the one no that steps up. $100,000. She is, she is absolutely, obviously, she's the lead. She's the title character. She is <laughs> absolutely the strong emotional center of the movie. She's the protagonist. And I do think that when you, at the end of the film, when you do have Manny stumbling into the money and quote unquote saving the day which he really doesn't but you you give the saving of the day of the timeline of the in sync moment to Manny yeah it it kind of counteracts the last 70 minutes of what we've just watched with Lola and it kind of makes Lola not the the main protagonist anymore and to the point where they're walking away I don't feel like it's a happy ending because I just think they're just going to fall back into Lola's just going to do whatever Manny needs and Manny wants and it's oh, not, a, gonna it's do not about again. Lola Manny it's always about lesson. Manny and I think I almost want <laughs> Lola to come to the realization that not that her father is somebody who is a bad person who he is but mm-hmm. that Manny is somebody that she does not need in her life and oh, it, maybe sure. even she tells him you know I did everything and he apologizes and he's like we'll do whatever you want like he becomes the subversive to her if that's the ending that's fine but the way it ends it does completely counteract all the stuff that we've grown to love about Lola in the beginning, in the whole of the movie. It puts and I agree back with in that. the same place. Yes, yes I do and, agree with and that. I, and I don't like that that happening to Lola because... But Lola now has uh, 
a hundred thousand. Oh no, they have what it. you went one hundred and fifty, something like thousand yeah. Deutschmarks, like which is which is basically more. like seventy five thousand. Probably yeah. she's got more, Bellish. and she doesn't need to tell Manny exactly what she's got, and it's not. But that's Manny's not what, to have. You're right, but that's not what we get on the screen. I get that. So yes. like she could leave him, but yes, it, you, Manny figuring out and bumbling his way into succeeding right. means he'll bumble his way into another problem again. No, I hear you. I, d- I don't have faith in that. And sets you up for sequels. Wow. And in the world of today, if you were to do Run Lola Run again today, that is exactly what you'd want. Because it what sets mm. you up for sequels. Well, if Run Lola Run today, I guess, would just be Doctor Strange in the Multiverse. A, a Run Lola Runverse, <laughs> as you if you would. Um, You've already got the homeless guy you got to explore. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I obviously like this movie more than you do. And uh, but I do agree that like everything I love about the film is completely and the, the character of Lola that we all love in the movie, probably not Butler, but we all love in the movie <laughs> is completely betrayed by the story and the writer and the director and all that stuff because of what happens and how it's resolved with Manny kind of coming out on top. Like, Oh, I'm the big hero. But I don't like that even part. Even though man, like Lola is definitely the main character. Manny is given his own flashback. Manny dies in the second one. I know. And Manny is the one that comes back. He, yeah, Manny is almost Manny, the one that resets time that second time. Manny dies. They have a conversation, but it still starts off with Lola getting the phone call and running. Because that's, you just don't want to see Manny complain again. And you've already kind of seen his flashback. It's her, but here's the I thing. I get that it's, it's her, her movie. movie, but it's not, but it's her movie, but they, but they, you anything. give Manny a decent amount of chunk. You almost give Manny the but same I power. I don't want it. I don't want to watch Manny. That's the problem. You got him. Why? I don't know why. Because it's a student film. No, it's uh, not a student to, film. Trying to try to get Stop. attention. Stop. And it does. Yeah. Again, I, I don't think you can overthink this film in terms of that. I think it's a lot of cool ideas. We didn't just spend 10 minutes overthinking it. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that, yes, she loses some. And she's just betrayed. She she's betrayed yeah. by the story. Her character is betrayed by her own story. Her story gets lessened. That's that's the headline. Roll, roll, run. Mm. Great character, but betrayed by her own story. And that's unfortunate. And, you know, that makes me not. I, that doesn't make me not like the film. It just makes me, I feel like a missed opportunity with her coming out of like her being such a powerful figure. Sure. She didn't get the money. She does get the money in the end. But, she, but, but she here's the thing. She gets the money, but like I can sit here and we can, we can both pontificate on what's going to happen after the credits roll. But like what I'm shown on screen is two people like, well, it goes back. It goes, it's going to go back to the way it was. Right. And now granted, we don't really know anything about the way it was because all we get are two are two scenes where they're in bed together. We don't know how they were the way before. Or you get that Lola, although obviously she's willing to risk, risk a lot for Manny, questions her relationship with Manny. Yes, as she should, because but he's not good for her. Manny definitely loves Lola. Well, he does, but he's still he's still an idiot and he's still a loser. But he does love her. Which her daddy don't love her. No, her daddy's a jerk off. <laughs> And her mommy probably don't love her. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Mm. Mommy's, mother's probably just, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the mother to, to really know. To, because one of those choices. Should be we, well, that's the thing. We don't really, I don't really know enough about a lot of the relationships, like, with the exception of the stuff with her father, to really make a judgment on what was what life was like before this and what life was like after this. And maybe that's not the point of the movie. And that's fine. You're a video game person. Yes. I, I'm segueing. I, I can. I know what you're saying. <laughs> well, I, did you ever play this game, The Legend yeah, of Zelda? Yeah, favorite Zelda game. Okay, so the although a lot of Yoshiaki like Kazumu Kazumi, Nintendo yes. game designer, calls the movie calls this movie Lola Run an inspiration for the game of The Legend of Zelda, 
Majora's Mask. Majora's Mask, which has players rewinding time experiencing the same day over and over. And Butler didn't like this game. game why? pissed me off. The okay, first why? day time rewinded, I was so mad. You spend the entire day, which is a pretty long day within the game, trying to figure out all this stuff. And then the moon crashes in the world, it blows up, you start again. It's a cool concept, but not for a Zelda game. But I really did not care for it. <laughs> I still want to go back and try it again. But coming off of Ocarina of Time, which is one of the greatest games of all time. Well, what's that? Uh, I didn't catch that. Ocarina of Time. Okay, okay. The original Zelda Nintendo 64 game. So Zelda games have always been based in time. There's a lot of time. Ocarina of Time has. You can uh, go back and forward to Kid Link to Adult Link. Okay. There's another one that has the same thing or similar things. Not all of them are time-based, but yes. Okay. But yeah, Majora's Mask kind of made me mad. But I get where he's coming from because it's similar. Because it's not quite Groundhog's Day. Mm -hmm. You kind of learn from what you did, like Lola, and improve each run. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. Doesn't make it a good game. <laughs> so, you, so you did not like that. I did not like the Zelda game. Although when I read it, I was like, all right. Ugh, all right. This movie also has a lot of parodies and inspirations, such as the in the Simpsons 2001 trilogy of error. Uh, Phineas and Ferb do one. Pinky in the brain. Smilf. It's my life by Bon Jovi. The video has that. Is that. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Ocean's Avenue by Yellow Card as well. Their video. Yep. The opening scene in Beneath You episode from Buffy has, uh, has that girl running. Uh, that's in the wig. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep, 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 so yep. those are all. I knew about the Simpsons. The Simpsons one's yeah. pretty much like like has the music and everything. Yeah, those are all parodies, and inspirations that were obviously inspired by this film. So they also remade this film in Hindi Butler called Loop Lapetta. It's on Netflix right now. Oh, I have something to tell you. Oh, go. So at the theater, which when this comes out, the movie might be out. We got a trailer for a movie in uh, an Indian movie. It's called. Mission Impossible. Oh no, I saw that. I saw, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Mission Impossible. Yeah, Mission Impossible. I, I, I saw that. I saw that. I was like, oh my god, yeah. Mission. Oh, uh, so I know, good. I know. Uh, oh, they straight up ripped stuff. I, I, oh, what is it? Like, I think we talked about this before on the podcast. One of the Baltic region countries remade The Sopranos, and it's like nice. It's. I saw the. I saw the opening. And I'm just like, holy cow! They just ripped this off. Like <laughs> same so, song. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same song, but it's the same type of opening. Driving it. Oh my god. Yeah. I. I yeah. That people are always ripped. They That's just. Awesome. They don't care because I mean, they can't get in trouble. Thing here in this country. Too. Yeah. We. What well, we ask, we get permission. <laughs> <laughs> Mission impossible. They straight up just take it. Uh, the structure of this film and certain themes were also inspired by. Uh, Christoph Kudlowski's uh, Blind Chance. He's a famous director, passed away. And I believe uh, Tickford did one of his movies that he was working on when he passed away. I think he came in and, and took over for it because he's a big time influence on uh, uh, Tickford's. Oh, uh, yes, yes, yeah. you're right. Yep, yep. So, and also there's, um, I don't know if you noticed, Tickford's a very huge fan of uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Vertigo. Yes. So there's huge, there's tons of spirals in the spiral motifs in the film. He's right next to the spiral bar when right. uh, Manny is when he's on the phone. Yeah, there's the lady who's the back of the head of the main actress. Oh, Kim Novak. Yep. yep, that was like, that. I was... don't know how to do what she looked like. Right. So there was an empty space in the casino uh, that he wanted filled, and he asked production designer uh, Alexander Manasi, butchering all these names, to paint a picture <laughs> of Kim Novak from Vertigo, but he didn't know how to, didn't know what she looked like. So he said, paint it from behind. And he did, he did it in 15 minutes. I saw that. It's crazy. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. So yeah, but there's also, there's tons of spirals in them, if you remember. But the, the spirals and the vertigo, like the, the vertigo references are great because the spirals would recommend you, like remind you of time yeah. too and, and time tunnels, which is really interesting. Right, right. One of the guys, when they do that shot where it zooms up to the, to the vertigo painting, mm-hmm. 
One of the guys, did you notice the big German guy with the big shoulder coat and the bald guy? No. Looks just like a Goomba from the Mario Brothers. A real life human version nice. of Goomba from the Mario Brothers. I didn't Brothers notice movie. that. That's he just look does not look human. I was like, who is this man? I did not notice that. That's nice. scary. <laughs> did you see how they did the ambulance hitting the glass? They exploded with a little bit of dynamite? Yeah. So they had a piece of dynamite that was attached to the glass and they would detonate it as soon as the just before the ambulance hit it. Can you not hit glass? Does it like break the car? Is it that big of a piece of glass? Uh, listen, they did that and then they broke the uh, clock when she screams in the bank and the clock explodes. Yep. They broke that by firing an air rifle at it with a small stone and a little saw, air rifle yeah. at it. I'm like, I love Germany. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so just shoot it. Just shoot it. Ready? And action. <laughs> I was more impressed when the ambulance didn't hit the glass wall when they had to turn the brakes on. Mm-hmm. He's like two feet from hitting it. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's good. <laughs> her, what did you think about her screaming power? Uh, I don't know. I mean, this is going to sound so stupid, but she's uh, she's young. We're, 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 we're dumb when we're young. We do stupid things. Screaming? Yeah, why not? You just Because her frustration's coming out. She's just, you know, she's just trying to, like, think about it. Like, she, this is the only way she's going to get money at the end. So she's she screaming over that. Yeah. Anytime she screams, it's just because she's completely frustrated with the situation. Oh, sure. Yeah. So she's just letting it out. But, like, I I get that. I understand about the the, the want to scream sometimes. Yeah. I, I like that it's left up to, like, you're, you see that people react to it, but you have to imagine, like, did things actually explode or is that just part of. Oh, maybe that's her. It's just her thinking that that's what's happening. Maybe. Maybe that's just kind of like. Yeah, I could see that. I think I kind of liked that. The, the, I mean, we're talking about a movie that is uh, also, pulling back time and she's remembering things from time. So, yeah, no, I, that's fine with that. Do you also think that the staircase scene was done with the cartoon because they couldn't afford the staircase scene or they forgot? The well, look, scene? no, I will look how. I'm trying to think like how would they have done it? Like you're gonna have a dog and a guy and you're gonna fall down. I think it's probably maybe yes. Maybe they wanted to start off like that, but that was just also indicative of 90s films and, and 90s movies where it's they very always MTV animated. For yeah. Sure. So that also might maybe but here's the thing. See, it's funny because I'm always somebody who when you're watching a film, not that I need the rules of the of the world set up for me. Sure. But when you do set them up, then okay. And then you break you them. them. Right. Right. Not like so that kind of bugs me sometimes. But movie like this where they're just like, we're not telling you. This movie is just this movie. Deal with it. I'm okay with all that because I'm like, all right, fine. If it's a, <laughs> it's like you're just it's a free for all, and we're just gonna this is my world. We're painting in it, and this is what I do. I'm completely fine with that. It's only when somebody sets up like a certain like this is how the world works, and then like clearly they forgot 45 <laughs> minutes later. That's when I get a little like, come on, man, you know. But right. when it's a movie like this, when it's just like. Whatever, whatever goes, whatever goes. I'm like, I'm fine with that. Cool. So yeah, it's funny. So did you? Uh, my last note is about Jason Blum. I uh, yep. <laughs> so while working at Miramax, Jason Blum of Blumhouse, obviously people you know have seen his movies. Uh, was his part of his job in Miramax was to acquire movies, look for movies, find them, make a deal, distribute them, all that stuff. He passed on acquiring and distributing the movie one. Harvey Weinstein, obviously nobody likes him because he's a you know not a nice person, learned of the film's international success. He became so enraged that he threw a lit cigarette at, his face. at Bloom's face. <laughs> <sighs> I thought the note was interesting. I also thought that note is just indicative of studio heads and producers. And just, I know it's Weinstein and, he, and he's a complete jagoff and he's a complete monster, but like, he's not the only person that's ever done that. Oh, sure. Any, you know every, what I mean? Every right. 
So it's like, uh, it's just kind of like, yeah, but I'm sure there's 45 other different types of stories of other studio heads and other producers just being shit bags to the people underneath them. Yeah. So don't I'd be, be shitbags this film, yeah. this film. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's, I thought that, no, I was just like, ah, yep, I can see that. And, and then I was like, and that's when I decided to make my own studio. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> that little cigarette in the face is how I made Bloom House production. <laughs> <laughs> so why are we saying this is forgotten, Butler? It's German, man. That's what was foreign film. It's a foreign film. I think that hurts it. It's very. It made money. It is very nineties. It made seven million dollars here. It's super nineties. Whoa, whoa. That's seven million dollars nineties money. All right. So you know what? You're done. I mean, I love the nineties. I said you're done, but I think that's what. Shut it down. You're done. So let me talk to all my nineties friends out there. (laughs) Remember when this movie came out, everybody, and we're all like, "Oh, this this movie's awesome." Remember that? Hold on to that feeling because that's exactly right. Still the same. Still the same. Run Lola Run that you loved back then. Don't don't ever let anyone like Butler take it away from you or any old fogey who doesn't understand. We loved this film back in the 90s and we still love it now. All my Gen Xers out there. <laughs> but go ahead. I'm sorry. You All right, millennials. You, you listen to you, me you, now. <laughs> I don't want to get into the, the I want to get into like a commercial where we're doing the um uh the wrestling because i'll just lose my voice <laughs> so i don't want to do that but but I, everyone else who was 12 when this movie came out listen it is dated i mean this i love movie's the 90s not, i love this that movie's kind of not stuff. dated it's very within its time period you, but you i think it's, any movie. it is a perfect oh, example i'm sorry that george lucas didn't come back and re uh you know <laughs> Remaster this there movie were no in 4K Jawas. for everybody. There were no Jawas yeah. on Dubax so, in this we'll, movie we'll, film. Yeah, we'll, we'll add some Bothas or whatever they're called in the background. We'll add some Stormtroopers Banthas. walking around. I mean, let's go. I don't know what why, they're called. Why not? Yeah, I'm sorry that we didn't get a 4K restoration of Run, Lola, Run. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> movie of the time. <laughs> <laughs> it is very much set where it's set. But I think this is a great movie in terms of recommending it to people that love film, that love like, hey, you know, I was talking about like when we did our Evil Dead episode and I like gush about how like Sam Raimi made Evil Dead on like no budget for the original and, and he just borrowed money and, and got money and made something and it blew up and everybody noticed it and took notice. Run Lola Run is the same thing. This movie got noticed. This movie, it might be more style over substance. But there's but still a story there. There's still a story and there's so much style that this guy got to do a movie with the Wachowskis coming right off of Matrix. You know, it's not, and he's done a ton of German stuff. This got him noticed. This got Franca Patente. I'm sure this is what got her born. Uh, like, this got people jobs. And that's awesome. And there's something to learn from this. And even though some of the stuff, like the music, is very set in the 90, late 90s, a lot of the stylistic choices and stuff are still really impressive. They're still like putting the dynamite on the glass. Filming with a scuba diver, can't uh, using a scuba diver oh, camera, snorkeling camera to get the uh, yeah the the ball hit the twenty, ball. Yep. which happened on one of their first rolls, by the way, which is yep. impressive. Yep, I, I think that's really cool, and there's a lot to be said about that. The use of like I love vertigo, so let's do everything with spirals. I think that is a subtle thing that just like it's it's cool, and that's in a lot of movies are these homages to other things, and I think it's really well done. And in terms of, is it forgotten? Yes. But should you show it to people? I would show this to anybody. I think this is great. And it's only an hour and 20 minutes. It never overstays its welcome. I'm, I'm listening. Yeah. I think that that's, it, it's the perfect film for somebody who wants to make film and show them this is done with a very small budget. Mm-hmm. You can do something like this. Maybe not 
blowing up glass with dynamite and a couple of other things. But for the most part, this is a very achievable. What's an M80? That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. This is a very achievable film. And I think this is something that people who love film or film students or somebody who wants to make a small independent film should look toward. Because look at all the, especially coming from Germany, makes it even more impressive that people over here in the United States where we're very xenophobic. What? Right? Surprising. Uh, took notice of as well. And I think that's cool. But I do think it's forgotten because it's super 90s. I don't. Th- I think it's forgotten more so. It's, it, I would say that it's subtitled. I think that kind of keeps people right. away. I don't think because it's super nineties Butler. Oh, we've done plenty of nineties films here. Not everything got at least in my version. Not everything had a had a an explanation of what they said. There were a couple of lines or, or words where I was just like, they didn't put anything on the bottom there. Oh well, I already knew what uh, please was bitter, so I was okay with that. I already knew that line. <laughs> bitter, bitter. I already knew that. Um, yeah, you know, I would just like to. I just gonna like to add that. You know, I talk about how like the, the movie's rules and you know they're all over the place and whatever. But this movie still has a story, even though Butler thinks that there's more style the substance. That's fine, but this movie still has a story. So oh, you still sure, have to tell a story. a story if you're gonna make a film. Um, and they did have 1.75 million dollars to make this movie, so they were able to do a lot of things. Sure. Is this type of movie going to be able to be made now? Not because people can't do it, but I think because I was having this conversation with my friend the other day, like Hollywood needs to be disrupted big time, just in terms of the way movies are made and the way they're distributed and the way they're put out there. I don't know how that, I don't have the answer to that. And I don't know if it'll ever happen, but it needs a big time disruption because what's going on right now doesn't work. Big time superhero films that are made for $300 million are 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 great and i and i know butler loves the batman and i we both like spider-man no way home they're great but there's so many other stories i want to watch right. and want to see and i don't know if i would ever get to see a run Lola run type story not done the, in, you know what i mean in theaters not in theaters and that's that that sucks it sucks big time regardless um so if you want to see a movie that i liked really and i think still holds up butler kind of likes but he's you know whatever but that's fine um, check out Run Lola Run. Uh, it's it's uh, you know that's what this podcast is about. To try to remind people of movies that maybe they watched and like, oh, I liked it, but never went back to. So mm-hmm. now that I've ex- described what movies, <laughs> what, what what our podcast is about, Butler, where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. While you're there, check out all our other great podcasts. You can also find us wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Google Play, YouTube. Like, rate, subscribe, all that kind of stuff helps us grow. And then comment to us. Uh, did you see Run Lola Run? Uh, talk about talk to us in Forgotten Cinemas, the lobby on Facebook where we talk about these movies. I'm sure a lot of you people disagree with me. You people, uh, nice but yeah, yeah, you Gen Xers. <laughs> uh, that's the best generation. Uh, we're we just we take things in stride, baby. I'm the poor generation. We don't take things in. Shut stride. the fuck up. We complain. Yeah. Add. Nope. Ad nauseum. No kidding. And you know what we say? We're just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> That's all I got. That's my favorite. One of my favorite things about the pandemic with Gen Xers is just like just staying home and playing video games, doing nothing. It's like, yeah, we've been there. All right. Oh, I, I love my pandemic. Yeah. All right. Anyways. <laughs> uh, so actually, we never even brought this up when I started the episode. This is our last episode of season 12. Ooh. So we're on to unlucky season 13 next week. Um, and that's going to and we're starting off next week. With a movie that we were consistently asked to do, and we take suggestions, but we were like hounded to do this film, and now we're doing this film. It was called The Beast when it came out, but now it's retitled The Beast of War. It's from 1988. We're doing this film next week. Be careful what you ask for, my man. So uh, we're <laughs> uh, uh, and so we'll see you next week. 
uh, with season 13 opening up with the Beast of War. I am Mike Fields. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Forgotten Cinema.